the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Welcome to a discussion of radical fundamental principles of freedom, rational self-interest, laissez-faire capitalism, and individual rights. The Yaron Brook Show starts now. Happy Sunday, everybody. I hope you're having a great weekend, and uh, welcome to Yaron Brook Show. You know, uh, as we speak, uh, one of the great uh, modern tragedies uh, in the humanitarian crises, political crises, a, a, an authoritarian regime is is uh, establishing absolute control over its country. And one of the most striking things that I find right now is that there's almost no coverage in the American press about this. Almost no coverage. Talk about false news. Talk about bias in the news. Well, this is this is an example of the real bias that exists in the mainstream media, but but across the entire the entire board. Venezuela is descending into absolute authoritarianism. It's been an authoritarian state for over a decade, but with a semblance, with a pretense of uh, of democratic elections, of uh, some uh, protection of of rights. But that semblance, that pretense, has disappeared completely over the last few weeks. And it has been, indeed, disappearing slowly over the last uh, few years. But most Americans have no clue and, and uh, because it's not being covered by the media. You, you couldn't tell what's going on in Venezuela if, if you were just listening to news. I mean, once in a while, there'll be a story. But, you know, if, if, if one stabbing happens in Israel or, or, or one little thing happens in um in, in, in France, or if, uh, if, if the media thinks the, uh, the Israeli government is doing something bad, oh, it's all over the place, it's 24-7, nonstop. But here's a country close to the United States, not that far, Venezuela, you know, in the north part of South America, where that's descending into chaos. Uh, but, but, but not just chaos, it's descending into absolute authoritarianism, where the military is running the country where Maduro, who is the president of Venezuela, is becoming a complete totalitarian. He's always been an authoritarian. You know, the difference between authoritarianism and totalitarianism. Totalitarianism is, is they control every aspect of life, everything. You have no rights, nothing. Well, Venezuela is descending into that. People are starving. Literally, there's no food. Babies are dying. Even the New York Times uh, ran a story about that. So even they recognize the truth of that. Um but but there's absolutely almost very little coverage. And, and to me, it's interesting. It's interesting what's going on in Venezuela. And we're going to go over some of the events that are happening there. Um, but And it's interesting, the attitude of the left to what is going on in Venezuela. And maybe one strong indicator, among many, many others, that the uh, media is completely leftist biased, or at least much of the media is, is the fact that they're not covering it. I, I, I pulled up a story. This is from May 31st, 2017. Where is it? I, you know, I, I, uh, it doesn't really say here where it is. Anyway, it's, it's, it's kind of a review of um, media coverage of uh, Venezuela's slide into uh, authoritarian nightmare 
Uh, and it says, uh, you know, this is the opening opening sentence of the story. Out of approximately 50,000 total evening news stories on ABC, CBS, and NBC, so they just talk, told, took those three as representative, combined in the last four years, 50,000 total evening news stories on ABC, CBS, NBC over four years, right? Just 25, 25 out of 50,000 have covered the ongoing crisis in Venezuela. This is according to the Media Research Center, right? So uh, after Hugo Chavez, the former president, former dictator of, uh, of Venezuela, passed away or uh, died in March 2013, the country spiraled into complete economic disaster, civil chaos, although it was already an economic disaster before Chavez died. But luckily for him, I guess, uh, it, it really got bad only after he died. Uh, you know, people are dying People are eating their cats and dogs. Uh, uh, somebody, I think I've said this on the show before, somebody I know who was visiting Caracas, the, the capital of Venezuela, told me that there are no cats and dogs in the streets because people have eaten them all. They've already broken into the zoos and uh, eaten all the animals in the zoos. And um, there's no coverage of this. There's almost no coverage of this. Right, 25 out of 50,000. You cover everything else, but, you know, nothing. Right. Nothing. So why is it? Why is it? We're going to talk about that. But but what I want to first I want to talk about is, is what's happening right now in Venezuela. Just to kind of bring you up to speed, given that the, the media is not covering this, not covering this the way it should be covered, not covering this to the extent that it should be covered. Uh, I'd like to just bring you up to speed and just some of the political developments. There was a attempted coup. Uh, in the last uh, couple of days, which was crushed by the military. Another question we should ask ourselves is, why is the military supporting uh, this authoritarian and totalitarian? Uh, and why is the opposition, even though most uh, surveys show that the opposition uh, is dominant in Venezuela right now, has, has a majority of the people, why is it so impotent? Why is it struggling so badly? So those are good questions to hold in the back of your mind. Why is the opposition so bad? Why is the military supporting this regime? And why is the press in the United States not covering it? Why do we hear nothing from bleeding heart human rights advocates on the left about the situation in Venezuela? Why aren't there demonstrations in the streets? Why isn't there an encouragement for the uh, Trump administration to do something, at least in the sense of, uh, political sanctions, which they've done a little bit of, but why, why, you know, why isn't there an, an uprising uh, in the United States in terms of voices, even even Latin America voices, about doing something about this? Or, you know, I, I, God forbid, we should militarily intervene. That that would be a disaster. But but why is there silence across the board? Relative silence. That's the question from everywhere. And why is the opposition so impotent? All right. So uh, just uh, today, so uh, 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 last week, um, there was a mock election in Venezuela to uh, elect a, um, a constitutional assembly. And a constitutional assembly has the power to overrule any decision of parliament, any decision of any government entity to rewrite the constitution and basically act as the authoritarian leader 
of uh, of the country. It can do anything it wants. It 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 is not beholden to anybody. And a constitutional assembly is usually appointed for a short period of time. Uh, this constitutional assembly just decided that it was going to uh, be around for for two years, uh, which is a long time for this kind of assembly traditionally in in these kind of Latin American countries. Um, again, no human rights uh, um, uh, organization has condemned this or anything. Now, the, the, this was held by an election. Uh, the Constitutional Assembly was, was voted in by an election. Uh, it, the, the government claims that 8 million people voted in this election. The interesting thing is the private company that provided the software and supervised this whole election uh, claims that it's complete sham, that it's complete fraud, that none of the election, uh, n- none of the election results are legitimate. Nobody cares. I mean, the Trump administration, I guess, cares a little bit. They've put some, a few, a few sanctions in Venezuela, but but you're not hearing again this rampant fraud in election headline anywhere. No, nobody cares. Maduro, who is the current president, uh, has complete control over this assembly. The assembly includes his wife and his son, a part of it. Uh, they have just assembly and, and, uh, as part of the assembly and following the assembly, the Supreme Court have just fired the attorney general. Um, early on Saturday morning, early yesterday morning, they fired the attorney general. The attorney general was stood up to the president, which is funny because the attorney general used to be a huge supporter of this president and helped the president get the political power, uh, that he has today. Uh, all of this is going on, right? Crushing of an uprising, uh, a constitutional, unconstitutional, constitutional assembly taking complete power over Venezuela, in a sense, granting that complete power to Maduro, the current dictator of Venezuela. Attorney General is being fired. If this happened in almost any other country, certainly if this was happening in what was perceived to be a right-leaning government, then... You know, uh, uh, the media would be all over this. So what's interesting here that I would argue is because Venezuela is perceived to be a socialist government, everybody's quiet, nobody's talking about it, nobody cares, and everybody is actually in support of this corrupt, dangerous, horrific regime. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Iran Brooks Show on uh, the Blaze Radio Network. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion of why, why, why socialism is never criticized. Venezuela is not criticized because it's the collapse of socialism. All right. We'll be back right after this break. Best-selling author, prolific media contributor, PhD in finance. This is the Yaron Brook Show, the Blaze Radio Network. So one of the great tragedies about the situation in Venezuela is the fact that we're talking about a country that has the largest oil reserves in the world, more than Saudi Arabia. We're talking about a country that just 20 years ago 
was on a per capita basis the richest country in all of Latin America. We're talking about a country that has gone from the richest country in Latin America now to the poorest country in Latin America, in spite of the fact that they have natural resources, immense natural resources. Again, more oil than Saudi Arabia. But it's not just oil. They have fertile land. And yet right now they can't produce enough food to feed themselves. They have other types of natural resources. And yet it doesn't matter. They are crushed. They've been crushed by two socialist administrations, by the administration of Hugo Chavez and now Maduro. And, and what did socialism do? How can socialism destroy this? I mean, you're you blaming socialism for this? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is the socialist policies. In Venezuela, of Hugo Chavez and of Maduro, that turned Venezuela from the richest country in the world, in, in Latin America, to the poorest country in Latin America. It is their policies of taking private land, private agricultural corporation, private, uh, private uh, agricultural businesses, and nationalizing them, and stealing their land, and stealing their factories. It's the Chavez and Maduro governments that instituted the policies of socialism, of redistribution of wealth, of not investing in the oil extraction so that even though they have oil reserves, they can't get them because they don't have the capital to invest because they blew all the money. I don't know how much Chavez died within the bank account in Switzerland. Redistributed wealth, that's all gone. It's disappeared. Destroyed whatever elements of capital investment they were in, in, in Venezuela. And this is what happens. When you take a country that's relatively rich, which Venezuela was, and, he, and, and granted, Venezuela was never a capitalist. It was never free. So you had a lot of poor people who didn't have to be poor. If the country had been capitalist, if the reforms had been instituted, had been capitalist reforms, then what would you've got is a redistribution of wealth through the market processes to from those who are less productive to those who are more productive. And actually, the poor would have been risen up and become much better off in Venezuela. That's the pattern in, in, in every successful country in history. The poor get better not because of redistribution of wealth. The poor get better because they get jobs, because their productivity rises, and therefore their wages rises, and therefore they can afford more and more and more stuff. And that's what defines their exit from poverty is that they can afford not just food, but now they can afford housing and they can afford technology and they can afford a good life. That can only be achieved. That can only be achieved with freedom, with, with free markets to produce, to consume, to employ, to fire, you need the flexibility of free markets in order to allow for the poor to rise up from poverty. But what is the solution in Venezuela? What is the solution everywhere? What's the solution here in the United States to poverty? It's the war on poverty. It's let's take money from some people and give it to others, and we've solved the problem. Then how come we still have poor people in America? How come we still have a war on poverty going on? Why wasn't the problem solved in the 60s and 70s? Because redistribution of wealth never solves the problem of poverty. 
it never solves the problem problem of poverty. It makes it potentially worse. And certainly in Venezuela, it made it worse. Now, for a while, Venezuela had a lot of money. Cubans, uh, they were, had so much money, they were helping Cuba. They were sending gazillions of dollars to Cuba. But they also had a lot of money from oil. And they had a lot of money from taxing and taking money from property from the, from the wealthy. And they redistributed it. And for a while, that raises the standard of living of the poor. But at some point, that money runs out. At some point, oil prices go down. At some point, if you're not a greedy capitalist and reinvesting your profits into the industry, like the oil industry, into technology, you're... You know, your uh, um, infrastructure that pumps out the oil decays, gets destroyed, and disappears. At some point, at some point, there's no more money to redistribute. And at that point, people become poorer and poorer and poorer because the poor who got that money didn't invest it. They didn't save it. They consumed it. And the wealthy who were Businessmen primarily, all their money was taken away, so they didn't invest it. So they didn't grow their businesses. The oil industry is dying, dead. Where's the money going to come from to keep redistributing to people? It doesn't exist. It's not there. Now, what's fascinating in addition to this is that in 1973, the poorest country in Latin America, Chile, Abandoned its short-lived experiment with socialism. And it didn't quite embrace capitalism until uh, the, the early 1980s. But, but in the early 1980s, it actually embraced elements of capitalism, significant elements of capitalism, making it the freest economy of, uh, of Latin America. Well, in 1973, Chilean income was 36% of that of Venezuela. Today... Chileans are 51% richer than Venezuelans. Indeed, Chileans, their income has risen 228% during that period. Venezuelans became 21% poorer during that period, 1973. And yet, and yet, now, I'm not an apologist for the regime who made this switch in Chile. You know, I'm getting old, and and uh, names of people just escape uh, escape my uh, my meager my meager brain. But um, the Chilean dictator was an awful human being, a violator of individual rights, killed a lot of people, did not believe in free speech, did not believe in freedom, and yet he has attacked viciously, constantly, justifiably, but. At the same time, he brought about economic prosperity in Chile. Pinochet was his name, right? General Pinochet. He also transitioned Chile from his authoritarian regime to a what today is one of the freest governments in Latin America, probably in the world. So he actually peacefully transitioned. On the other hand, you have in Venezuela an authoritarian equal in their brutality to Pinochet. And impoverishing his own people, and they get a free ride. All right, we're going to have to take a, a, a break in a few seconds here. Uh, you're listening to your Ron Brook show. Um, why is it? Why is it that Pinochet got such a bad rap and that Mudoro and Chavez are scot free? We'll be right back after this break. To get 
dancing. You're on. Rock. On the Blaze Radio Network. So we're talking about Venezuela today, uh, a country that used to be the richest country in Latin America today, the poorest. People are starving. Uh, the, the government there is taking over complete control over the economy, over the lives of people. It's becoming absolutist. It's becoming totalitarian. And yet, very little from our media, very little coverage. Nobody accusing. I, I haven't seen any celebrity go out there on television and, and complain about what's going on in Venezuela. We compared it a little bit to Chile. And, um, and the fact that when, uh, you know, if, if, when Pinochet was running Chile, oh, celebrities were constantly attacking him, constantly berating him. Now, again, I, I, he, was, he was bad on many, many fronts. But note the contrast. If you're an authoritarian on the left, you can get away with murder. An authoritarian on the right can't do anything. And, and when an authoritarian on the right does something good, like free up the Chilean economy, as uh, Pinochet did, that creates incredible wealth, and ultimately you walk away from your authoritarian position and you allow for elections and you allow for real freedom, you're still hounded and you're still prosecuted and you're still condemned and you're still hated. But you, when you're Hugo Chavez, when you're a leftist, and you basically destroy your country and you imprison and kill your political opponents. You get a free ride. You're considered a hero. A hero. Noam Chomsky, Noam Chomsky, one of Pinochet's biggest critics, of course, is one of uh, Hugo Chavez's his biggest apologists. He loves what Hugo Chavez did. He, he you know, he, he brought 80% of his people out of poverty. Really? Really? You know, go, go, go look at Venezuela right now. Sure, you can take other people's money, redistribute it for a little while, and pretend that people are out of poverty. Not because they have jobs, but they got free money. Right? Now, remember, Noam Chomsky is also an apologist for the Khmer Rouge, the Sandinistas, Mao Zedong. And if he'd been a little younger, he would have been an apologist for Stalin. And, of course, this brings up a much bigger question. Not only aren't we critical of Venezuela, but really, how many movies have you seen outlining and detailing the evils of communism, of, of the, the slaughter of innocence that Stalin and Lenin and, and Mao Zedong engaged in, that tens of millions of people that were killed? How many intellectuals, how many intellectuals, particularly on the left, have condemned communism as evil and barbaric? as a murderous ideology. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we should condemn Nazism, but for every, for, for every anti-communist movie, there are a thousand anti-Nazi movies. Why? Why can't we condemn communism? should be easy. They only killed 100 to 200 million people. Why don't, why don't we condemn the Khmer Rouge? Indeed, there are people from the Khmer Rouge who are in the government in Cambodia today. Nobody cares. 
Nobody cares. It's as if Nazis were part of the German government today. Nobody cares. You know, for, for forever, the left was ap- apologized, justified, covered for the crimes. Crimes is an understatement of Joseph Stalin, of his reign of terror, of the brutality of communism. And now they're doing the same thing for Hugo Chavez and Maduro in Venezuela. Sean Penn, Oliver Stone, Michael Moore. I've got some others, uh, you know, uh, Sean Penn is uh, Antonio Banderas. You know, love the fact that, that Chavez seized private business as a, it should be a model to be emulated across the world. Antonio Banderas said that. Oliver Stone considered Chavez a great hero. Sean Penn, champion of the world's poor. Jesse Merson, well, well-known journalist in the Rolling Stones. Very cool very cool columnist. Actually, Jesse Masson, I think that's a Jesse Masson. I think I debated him on Stasso once. He's, he's, he's the avowed communist. How can there be avowed communists who gain any kind of respect, who have a column in the Rolling Stones? I mean, if you were an avowed Nazi, you wouldn't have a column in the Rolling Stones, but an avowed communist can get a, a column in the Rolling Stones. How can that be? How is that possible? Communists, they killed over 100 million people. Well, you know, he called the economic programs of uh, Chavez and Maduro basically terrific. Uh, Masson insisted that Venezuela's electoral system, full of fraud, full of corruption, completely rigged. He says the electoral system's integrity puts the U.S. to adjunct shame. Really? Now, this is at the same time, same period where the opposition leaders in Venezuela are being hauled off in the middle of the night to prison. And yet, they get a free pass, these people. They're all, they're all apologists for Maduro and Chavez and socialism and communism. And it doesn't matter how many people communism kills. It doesn't matter how many people die of starvation because of socialism. It doesn't matter how many babies don't have enough food in Venezuela and they're dying they will still back their hero Chavez and their hero Maduro. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. Certainly in our media, nobody cares. You get a few, you know, there's an article in Reason, and John Stossel has done a story about this, and, and a few people here and there. But nothing. Silence. Silence is a great country, a formerly rich country, a beautiful country. Uh, in the past, an incredibly productive country just sinks into the gutters. And even opposition in Venezuela, why is there no revolution? Why isn't there armed rebellion? What are they doing? What are they hoping for? Well, it turns out one of the problems is that the opposition is completely splintered. They disagree about everything. They don't agree about anything, and uh, they can't get their act together. So revolution, whew, that is uh, far too much to ask from them. All right, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on why. I, 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 this is my question. Why can they get away with it? Why can the left basically get away with murder? What is it about? 
what the left stands for, what is it about what they represent, what is it about the world in which we live that allows the left to advocate for evil, evil, and get away with it. All right, 888-900-3393, I'm curious what you think. And if anybody out there is actually from Venezuela, it would be great to hear from you. If anybody out there uh, has relatives in Venezuela or, or, or has a personal story about what's going on there, I'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, if any of you actually think what is happening in Venezuela is a good thing, if you're a Chavez fan, please call 888-900-3393. Curious, why do you think these people can get away with it? And when we get back, we're going to talk about why I think they get away with it, why I think they've been getting away with it for 50, 60, 70 years, and what we need to do, what we need to do to change that, and why fundamentally the opposition in Venezuela is impotent. All right, you're listening to Iran Book Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We'll be right back after this break. Israeli military veteran and radical for capitalism. It's the Yaron Brook Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We're talking about Venezuela today and uh, the fact that it's getting almost no coverage in spite of the fact that it is a country spiraling into authoritarianism, totalitarianism, has been for many, many, many years. And yet nobody cares. Nobody seems to care. And many, many in our media and on the left are apologists for the current regime. Indeed, in uh, ABC's World News Tonight has not mentioned the word socialism or socialist once in connection with Venezuela since Chavez died in 2013. Here's in a country imploding because of socialism, and our media will not identify it as such. Unbelievable. All right, we got Kenneth on the line, who I'm not sure what are you, something about right versus left. Hey, Kenneth, how's it going? Great. How are you doing, Dr. Brooke? I'm good. I'm good. So, so what do you think this about- is? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Why is the left getting away with it? I think it's because the left buys into the moral premise that all the socialist experiments uh, have at their root, which is that if there's inequality, material inequality between people, then some kind of injustice must have occurred. Right. That's right. So, you know, naturally, even if the experiment results in great destruction or you know, creates more damage than it does good, if the motives are pure, they don't feel morally compelled to condemn it and i think it's kind of embarrassing for them and it well i wish it was embarrassing for them because, honesty than they have because maybe you know, if it was embarrassing for him maybe maybe young people wouldn't be so attracted to them but but the young people are attracted to their message in spite of the fact that it should be embarrassing they they should be hiding they should be under their academic desks they should be off of television nobody should ever listen to a word uh, uh, Sean Penn or, 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 or what's his name, Moore or, or, or any of these celebrities ever say again. And yet we constantly go back to them for more and more insight into this. And I think so I think it's much worse than what you're saying. I think you're absolutely right. The, the bottom line is 
that the left in this country has the moral high ground and the right has abandoned the moral high ground a long, long time ago. And because of that, the right is afraid to criticize the left and doesn't really stand up to the left. And the left can't criticize their own failed experiments because if they did, that would reveal the true nature of what they stand for. Yeah, I think the myth of equity is just it really resonates with people and it has for thousands of years. And that's just it's something that it's really intoxicating and it's just something we we can't get over psychologically, I think. And young people, you know, you say, like, why don't they why don't they clue up? Well, young people are stupid. You're on. Well, you know, I was young. You were young once. I don't know. I mean, we were somewhat stupid, but but it's not that they're stupid. It's that they take seriously what too seriously. What the professors teach them, it's that they that they they tolerate it, but it's also because they've been indoctrinated by certain moral high ground, and they have accepted their moral high ground. So, thanks, Kenneth. You you you've set me on the right path. I, I appreciate the call. Uh, look, what is that moral high ground? That moral high ground basically says that your life is not yours. That moral high ground basically says that the group is more important than the individual. That moral high ground basically says that it's okay to sacrifice some people. Indeed. It is mandatory to sacrifice some people for the sake of other people. After all, isn't sacrifice wonderful and noble and good? The more high ground is that being self-interested is evil, it's bad. And that being caring and sacrificing for the greater good of whatever is good and noble. And as you said, Kenneth, the more high ground is that equality of outcome in one way or another Oh, as conservatives likes to say it, equality of opportunity, as if, they, as if there's a difference between equality of outcome and equality of opportunity. We're still going to steal stuff from some people and give it to others. That's all good. That's all good. And that's noble. And that's just. And yeah, and some people have to suffer as a consequence. So what? So, so the capitalists get their money taken away from them. So what? It's for greater good. It's for, it's for the common good. It's for the public interest. And until we are willing to criticize the morality of altruism that lays at the core of this, the morality of altruism that says that your moral responsibility in life is to sacrifice for those who don't have any. Your moral responsibility in life is to, 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 to take care of the needs of those who need something that you might have. As long as we hold the morality of altruism as our standard for morality, Socialism wins over and over and over again. And, you know, it's a good morality. It just, it's not applied right. You know, so they try it with communism and a hundred, hundred million people die. They try it in Venezuelans. They just are not getting it right. But look, the morality is a good morality. We just have to find the right political vehicle for it. No. The morality is evil. The morality is wrong. The Weimar Code is a moral code on which implicitly the United States of America was founded. The moral code that is implicit in capitalism. And that is the moral code that says that you, your moral responsibility is to take care of your own life. To make the most of your own life. To be self-interested in a rational, long-term sense. That moral code would not tolerate socialism. You don't tell me how to live and what to do. You can't take my money. I produced it. I created it. But you see, nobody on the right has the guts to stand up to the socialists because we bought into them all code. 
And why doesn't the opposition rise up in Venezuela? Because they're socialists, it turns out. They're just a different brand of socialist. They're socialist light. If we were centrally planning the economy, it would be a lot better. Or at least a significant portion of them are socialists. And when the demonstrators are uh, interviewed in Venezuela and Caracas, they all claim to be socialists too. Just a different brand of socialism. Socialism is evil. It's thoroughly evil. From beginning to end, there is no good socialist. There is no good socialism. There is no moderate socialism. It's a it's an ideology that leads to death and destruction, which is what the morality of altruism necessitates. Your life is yours. Nobody else's. Live it. Live it. Live it. And don't let other people tell you how to. Don't let other people force themselves on you. All right. You're listening to the only radio show where you'll hear this stuff. The Iran Brook Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We will be back. You're listening to the Yaron Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network.